This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Clyde Snow and Sessions, based in Salt Lake City with offices in Oregon and California. For over 65 years, Clyde Snow has represented clients throughout the West. Clyde Snow, serious about solutions. Hello, and welcome to Ripple Effect, a podcast putting water into context. I'm Emily Lewis, your host, and I'm a water attorney here in Salt Lake City, Utah, practicing creative solutions to today's and tomorrow's water problems. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the 41st episode of Ripple Effect. I'm pretty excited about today's interview and discussion because one of the themes I've really been thinking a lot about lately is how do we incentivize large-scale exploration of key topics? You know, like how do we kind of get people in kind of the problem-solving and decision-making positions? And so when I ran across this really cool project called the Water Tower out of Georgia, it kind of piqued my interest and I realized that I really needed to talk to them and kind of see what they were up to. So I have here with me today, Kristen Vandenhavel from the Water Tower out of Buford, Georgia. And Kristen, I'm really excited to talk to you. But before we kind of get into your specific project, would you, for our listeners, kind of give a little background about like kind of your your education and kind of like how you ended up kind of where you are today? Sure, sure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you about the Water Tower and everything that we have going on there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I am the Strategic Director of Research and Engagement at the Water Tower, um, and I'll get into a little bit more about what exactly that means. It's a really long, nice title, but what do I mm-hmm. actually do? Mm-hmm. Um, but originally, you know, I started out my, my schooling in Ohio at the University of Dayton. Um, I thought that I wanted to be a doctor. I did not enjoy blood, so that quickly (laughs) changed, Um, but I knew I wanted to be involved in the sciences and biology in some sort, so I ended up going to biology, environmental sciences, really found my passion there, and after college, I moved to the D.C. area uh, looking for a job, and I started out at a recruiting company, so very small recruiting firm, and, you know, we helped put different kinds of folks into jobs that fit them well. And while I was there, you know, I, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And one of my coworkers actually found a job for me through the company. <laughs> and I left the company and joined the Water Reuse Association. Uh-huh. Um, so, so back then there was the Water Reuse Association and Foundation, um, which then continued on to merge with the Water Environment and Reuse Foundation and then the Water Research Foundation. So these three research foundations uh, combined to become one. And are those national foundations? Them. Are those local yes. foundations? National foundations. Okay. National foundations. So I was with them for each each step of those mergers. And while I was there, I really got a passion for water reuse. Um, I focused a lot of my time on agricultural water reuse and also desalination, but really just focusing on the people aspect of reuse and how to talk to people about where their water comes from, you know, why it's important why reuse is safe. And so I found that that was a part that I really liked. Mm-hmm. So then when our then CEO, Melissa Meeker, left foundation to come down here to Buford to start a new nonprofit, uh, you know, she called me up and said, hey, what do you think about coming down to join me? And it was just such a cool opportunity to build a foundation from the ground up, build a similar organization to what I was used to, but with all these different aspects added on. So I just had to do it. So September 2019, I moved down to Georgia, and I've been here ever since. Cool. 
That sounds like a really fun career. Ohio to Georgia. <laughs> Ohio through DC to Georgia. Uh-huh. I like it. I like it. Cool. Well, then I'm excited to hear what it is you do then. So tell me about kind of like, you know, if you're giving me the elevator pitch and the sales pitch, you know, and any other fun tidbits, like kind of what is the water tower and kind of what, what do you want our listeners to know about the project? So the water tower is a set of two nonprofits. We have a 501c3 and a 501c4. And we were born out of Gwinnett County Department of Water Resources. The county was really looking for a way to be nimble and flexible in their in their research and also become a technology innovation hub for the Southeast. So they had this great vision. So they, they ended up bringing down our CEO to, to work on it and to bring it to life. And what we're really focused on is helping those small to medium utilities that might not get as much recognition by the big, big research organizations. They have different needs. They have different focuses. They don't have as much manpower. Mm -hmm. um, really helping them become more progressive through what we like to call our four pillars. And those are applied research, technology innovation, workforce development, and community engagement. So my role at the Water Tower is to oversee the applied research and the community engagement pillars. And I have a counterpart who oversees the other two as well. I'm honestly like really excited to talk to you about this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. I want to do one. <laughs> I love projects. I'm really great at starting them. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay. Awesome. So then what does a day like look for you? You know, what does it mean to be the director of community engagement in research? Yeah, so, so research and community engagement are really my two main focuses, but since we're such a small staff, we have four full-time staff right now. We really all work together on, on almost everything, so it's been really interesting that way, too, to kind of have a hand in all the other moving parts as well. So day-to-day -day right now, part of it is really focused on construction of our campus. So not only are we building these new nonprofit organizations, but we're also constructing a campus here in Buford, right near the Mall of Georgia, right next to the F. Wayne Hill Water Resources Center, which is a really innovative, forward-thinking, world-renowned, really, water resources center that's run by Gwinnett County. And through our agreement with the county, we have about 600 acres that we have for our campus, and we are building our headquarters building, a demonstration area, and a field training center right now through our phase one construction that we hope to have finished in January of next year. So by this mm -hmm. time next year, I hope I'll be in my new office and not in a temporary space all by myself. So mm -hmm. that would be really nice. Um, and so on the campus, we'll have things like research labs. We'll have analytical, experimental, and microbiology labs for researchers to come in, whether they're with a, a partner university or a technology company looking to do some R&D. Mm -hmm. We'll have a multi-purpose space so we can hold small specialty conferences up to about 250 people mm. uh, post-COVID, of course, hopefully when we can all go back together. I like that. We'll have some classrooms to do some instruction and also have some co-working space if you need to rent a desk or a conference room for the day. But the part that I think that's really unique about it is we are bringing in water-related businesses to the campus. So not only can you come in for, you know, a, a, a day or rent an office, but we're also bringing in tenants for our third floor. We have water related businesses on our third floor of the headquarters building. And then we also have some art out parcels as well 
uh, around our headquarters where folks can come in and actually work with private investment dollars to build their own buildings and light industrial areas. This is exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, what we like to say is that we're really focusing on this ecosystem of innovation. So not only are we focusing on these four key areas, but also how they work together. And I think that's what makes us really unique. Oh my gosh. I'm honestly like really dorkly excited about this. I love <laughs> this. No, come I, visit. I know because here's the thing is like this. So I, so, and this is a theme that comes up in, in, and I want to kind of get into the brass tacks about, you know, kind of what your programs are going to offer and what you're thinking in each of these things. Cause they're all fantastic. But like, I think like the pre the conversations that I've been trying to have recently are kind of like, what are the grease? Like, what are the, you know, like we can build all the cogs we want, you know what I mean? But what are the things that are like the grease to make action happen and decision-making occur, you know? And these mm-hmm. are those things, you know what I mean? If you have a good idea, you have to have a place to go use it you know, and like build your own little business. If you have a good idea, you have to hire people to help you do it. You need to have people who are trained, you know, like I really like that ecosystem of innovation and cause I'd be thinking too, a lot about like funding and stuff. So cool. Okay. I like this. Now that we've kind of have the vision of what you're trying to do, what are the substantive questions you're actually like looking at? Are these, are they going to be like Georgia specific questions? Like, is it just reuse, you know, is it other, like kind of what are, what are you trying to kind of like the questions you're trying to explore and unpack, you know, kind of with this effort? Sure, sure. And I think the best way to answer that is there's basically a set of questions under each of those four key areas. So it's Mm -hmm. hard to to really wrap it up into one, but overall, we're really just trying to help those small and medium utilities get the technologies, the workers, the research, the real hands-on research, you know, not just fundamental research, Mm -hmm. and also a way to talk to their communities so that they can function the most efficiently and they can really make an impact in their communities and and kind of come up to where we are across the country in terms of technology. So what are those sub questions? I'd be curious, like how, you know, like what are the things you ask yourself that you kind of, cause I think when in doing anything, it's helpful to know like what does success mean? You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. yeah, totally. Sure. So for, for the applied research part, we thought about how we're going to approach our first research program. You know, we're a small organization, but we really wanted to get into the applied research part to help out those small to medium utilities. So as we were thinking about what we wanted to do, we really thought that we should focus on our own backyard, which here where we are in Buford is Lake Lanier and the Lake Lanier watershed. So we worked with Gwinnett County Department of Water Resources to develop a plan for the Lake Lanier watershed over the next five years that consists of multiple research projects to monitor, protect, and preserve Lake Lanier as a resource. Because you know, here in Gwinnett County and also a lot of communities around the lake, We not only use the lake for drinking water, but we also discharge our treated wastewater back to the lake. Mm -hmm. So indirect potable reuse or reservoir augmentation, whatever you like to call it. So it's extremely important to protect the lake and make sure that we're doing as much as we can to make sure we can use it for generations to come. So we worked with area stakeholders to come up with this plan. It's basically a roadmap of 32 projects that we hope to complete over the next five years. Um, and we, we worked with some scientific and technical experts as well when developing the project. And we plan to move forward with that in a few months here. We're going to start getting some RFPs developed for the first round of projects and excited to get that moving. It's been about a year in the making, so we're really excited. I bet. 32 projects. 
I like that. So kind of what's a specific project? Like what's one of 32? Are you going to be like looking at water quality measures, filtration systems? Like what are the kind of things that you think are the projects that would be helpful? So there's a few categories that we divided up all the projects into. And the number one category was non-point sources, followed by water quality and monitoring, some nutrient management, stormwater management. And then we also touched on land use policy and outreach. But in this area, you know, there's a lot of rural areas. Um, There's a lot of agricultural runoff things to take into account. Um, Also with Lake Lanier, there's so many different monitoring efforts going on for water quality. You know, one of the projects looks at a way to coordinate those efforts so we can really maximize the efforts that are going into that Mm -hmm. instead of duplicating them. So it's a lot of coordination and facilitation of different efforts that are going on, but then also looking at consequences of things that we haven't really delved too much into in this area. And all of it was driven by the, the group of stakeholders. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, cities around the lake, um, governments. We talked to EPD. We talked to a few environmental groups as well, um, mm-hmm. really getting their input on what's important to them and what they think can be addressed by applied research in the next five years. How long did that process take? Like, I mean, that's a lot of parties to kind of like get on the same page. <laughs> we wanted to do it in person, which I think might have streamlined it a little bit. Oh. It's always so much easier to get everyone in the room and talk. Yeah. Um, so we had to we had to break it up into bite-sized chunks on Zoom calls. So it took mm-hmm. a little bit longer. But I think overall, it was about six months of meetings and then about three months of report development and just tying up loose ends and, and getting those projects developed. So we had a good series of workshops there. Yeah, I think that sounds actually pretty efficient. All right, cool. How big is the scale, though? I mean, when you say the Lake Lanier watershed geographically, kind of where does that lay out in volume and size? Sure. So if you look at, you know, if you're looking at a map of the lake, it's really um, covers all these different counties. So in down here, we usually think in terms of counties. So we have Gwinnett County, uh, Hall County, Forsyth County. Lumpkin County, White County, Habersham County. So it's, it's a really oh, uh-huh. um, good chunk of, chunk of area there. Um, and it's interesting because all of these communities and cities don't always coordinate together as much as they could. Mm-hmm. So what we really hope to be through this plan and, and just at the Water Tower in general is the facilitator and, and to bring all of those different people into the room together so we can work together as best as we can. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So do you also operate with like some kind of sister jurisdictional like authority? You know what I mean? Like, is there like, we're trying to answer big questions here in the West and and there's been a large rise in in kind of the use of a quasi-governmental authority to understand a big water problem or question. Like they just, you know, there are a couple of proposals here in Utah, one for a Colorado River authority and then one for a Utah Lake authority. And so it's kind of this like a legislative grant of a, you know, power to look at this issue. Is, is there something like that that also exists for the lake that you work with? Or was this just solely a water tower effort to get this plan together? This really wasn't a water tower effort, but we uh-huh. were really sparked by this initial EPD TMDL that was established, I, I believe in 2015, mm. uh, for chlorophyll A. So really looking at the lake TMDL and and compliance and what has happened since 2015, mm-hmm. what the big concerns are, and working with those communities so that they can you know keep within their compliance for the TMDL and also take it a step further and and make as much impact as they can in their communities. 
got it. So it was kind of like a regulatory impulse to get together on top of just kind of like, you know, best practice. Right, right. But we we weren't charged by any government entity mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's really just a coordination effort. Mm-hmm. Led by the county. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's really cool. I like that. That's kind of like a different management model for decision making, you know, by f- kind of facing it and focusing it. So I'm assuming then like you guys will have like quarterly meetings or something like that. And like a town will like bring up an issue and be like, hey, we have an algal bloom. Can we like study algal blooms, you know, like. <laughs> And then you'll have like a board that kind of helps. Well, I guess you'll just do them according to your 32 projects, right? Like you already have a plan right. of how you're going to do this. Wow. We do have a plan, but it is supposed to be a living plan. So we intended it to be, you know, flexible and change as different needs arise. Mm-hmm. And the way that our internal processes work is we have a research advisory committee who is charged with guiding the overall research agenda for the water tower and where we put our, our efforts. So they will each year revisit the plan, depending on the feedback that we've gathered through our different stakeholders over the year, we'll present that to them and they'll help us kind of prioritize, is there a project that was not included that we need to now add in? Is there Mm -hmm. some reshuffling that we need to do? So they're really tasked with that part. But, you know, we're constantly seeking feedback on the plan. We have a little QR code in the document and a link to a URL survey where people can give us some input. So just constantly looking for ways to improve it. This is interesting. So then can you talk a little bit more about like the, the people side? Because I do think in a lot of the discussions we have, um, Amy Green, who works for the Rural Water Technology Alliance here in Utah, her biggest talking point or issue is workforce and how there's just that we can do whatever we want, but if we don't have competent and trained people to like engage, we're not effective. So what are you guys doing on that front? Sure, sure. So we have, as part of our workforce development program, we like to call it a three-pronged approach. So we really wanted to take the traditional classroom training that a lot of water and wastewater operators uh, take in order to get their certification and expand that. So we have study hall, kind of like uh, in, in college or high school, when you can come and talk to the instructor on your own time. We also have this hands-on aspect at our field training center, which is pretty unique. It's a place where you can go and you can practice on the equipment. You can dig up pipe, you can lay pipe down um, and just practice everything. So you're not trying it out for the first time in someone's front yard, (laughs) which is pretty nice. You know, we're focusing on the water and wastewater operator and maintenance technician trainings for now and just trying to expand those and make them a little more comprehensive. So there's a higher passing rate. Because mm-hmm. if you talk to utilities across the country, and especially here in Georgia, their number one asset is yeah. their people. And the number one challenge right now is retaining those workers and attracting new workers. Okay. So then can I ask you a brass tax question? So if you're like an entry-level wastewater operator, what is your annual salary? Like a range? Do you it, have? Do you... Sure, sure. So it obviously depends on where you live you know, living wages in that area, but there's potential, what we've seen here in Georgia and talking to different folks, there's potential with your license. And this does include overtime, but you can make a 60K plus a year as a water or wastewater operator. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a sustainable career and it allows for a lot of upward mobility too. If Mm -hmm. you want to keep moving up, Um, there's always opportunities to become higher up Um, You can become a plant manager, you can become a superintendent, different kinds of tracks Mm -hmm. that you can take um, if you want to to do that. And those people are generally employed by some kind of quasi-municipal entity as well. So they generally probably would be on like state 
or county like health insurance? Usually county, yes. Yeah. Uh, especially especially in this area and a lot of areas across the country, mm -hmm. it's the counties who would employ through the, the water wastewater utility. So you get that those excellent benefits as well, mm -hmm. which of course, you know, make a huge difference. Yeah. I think that these are the questions that like sometimes get left out of the discussion, honestly, you know, when, when we're talking about building like a water future, like this is very much a part of it too. You know, like we have to make sure that the people who, who are, you know, we're investing in also feel invested in the enterprise. And so, you know, kind of like understanding what our workforce, you know, not only what the needs are, but kind of making that a desirable position as part of it too. So, mm -hmm. Cool. And, and part of what we do at the water tower, especially before COVID, and I keep mentioning that, but it, it did kind of shift our, our ways of working as it did everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. We would go around to different high school career fairs mm -hmm. and we would talk to students because maybe there's some students who aren't interested in going to college for a four-year degree, or maybe they want to take some time before they, they figure out if they want to go to college or what they want mm -hmm. to major in. Um, depending on whatever situation, if, if there is an opportunity for them to go into the water field with a mm -hmm. high school or GED level of education. And, mm -hmm. you know, like we said, just have just as much of a re rewarding career as if they, they were to choose any other path. So it's, it's a great opportunity. And we're trying to get more young folks involved and really see the opportunities in water mm -hmm. because it's not something they always learn about in school. Well, and I think one other thing we forget about water is that it's just inherently local and that's whether or not you're looking at a water right or whether or not you're looking at a hydrological problem or whether or not you're looking at the people, you know, and I think one of the biggest trends that we've seen over the last, you know, six years of demographic assessment is that like a, a defining feature of the, the kind of health of the community is whether or not their young people stay, you know, mm -hmm. and so like in places where there's always water everywhere, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so job security. It, it's, yeah, it's job security. And it's also just investing in your community and kind of like, I, I like that you guys have a community pillar because that really is what it is. You know, you're working for your friends and neighbors, building the infrastructure. Cool. One of the initiatives that we're working on to get off the ground is really working with other community organizations mm -hmm. who attract different job seekers for them to present them with options in the water industry. So, mm -hmm. so different sort of job placement a community social organization to present this track as an opportunity. So we're, mm -hmm. we're hoping to see a lot more young people move up that way as well. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of had, you said earlier that you did one of these in the DC area under your boss, Melissa Meeker. By the way, I love that. that you, go ahead. I was about to say, I love that you have a female boss, but I do. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and I think that should be recognized and said out loud because it's not always true in the water field, but increasingly so. So having done one prior in a different location, what are you like most wary about, most excited about, about kind of like replicating that process in a new location? So I do want to say that what we're doing now is, is similar, but is, is very different from the Water Research Foundation up near DC. Mm -hmm. So the, the Water Research Foundation was really focused on research, obviously, through the name. They did work in some other areas as well, but it's a national organization. So looking at priorities across the country um, mm -hmm. and addressing those by, by funding projects that could help the most people. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, at the Water Tower, we're really focused right now on Georgia and the Southeast. So looking at those more specific problems in the Lake Lanier watershed, working with organizations like our partners, GAWP, the Georgia Association of Water Professionals, 
they're actually opening their their northern training campus at the water tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so working with those those Georgia specific organizations to get folks trained up and be able to work here in the state. But we're not only focused on Georgia, we're also focused on the southeast um, and hoping to expand our reach that way. Mm-hmm. But really, really kind of more specific in terms of needs and focuses. Yeah, and probably a little bit like a broader net of concerns, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And what, we don't have the big funding dollars <laughs> that the Water Research oh, Foundation does either. So that's that a allows good point. us to get very yeah. creative in how we how we so, do things. As a nonprofit though, you obviously have to have some revenue. Where does it come from? Is it is it given from the part you know, like all of the people who participate in the watershed or or like how is how are you funded? So we're we're not a traditionally membership based association or foundation in in the way that you know, you have to sign up to have access to information, you pay dues on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really structured it as a way to uh, get information out to everybody who may need it or want it. We didn't want there to be a paywall in front of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that we, we are getting our funding, um, there's kind of a two different ways right now. So Gwinnett County is helping us fund the, the campus development of phase one and also our staff positions for a period of five years. And they're doing that to help us get off the ground, get our campus in place, get our building in place so we can start conducting the programming and things in person. Um, And then once we are on our feet in about five years, hopefully less, Mm -hmm. um, the sustainable funding really comes from those real estate development opportunities on campus. So the the businesses Mm. coming in and, and paying rent building their their headquarters on our campus and and paying into it that way okay so I love this like more and more and more this is such (laughs) a good idea this is such a good idea I like everything you're saying I want to check in in a year and see how it's going (laughs) (laughs) we'd be happy to have you host you on site yeah oh my god yeah oh yeah because we can move yes that'll be great um, I do, okay, so- I do want to say, mm-hmm. just before we move off of this topic, I do want to say, since you did mention, you know, our, my wonderful female CEO, mm-hmm. um, it is really, really inspirational the way that she has envisioned this organization and just, just see it come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And she's such a powerful woman in the water industry. And it's, it's been such an incredible experience learning from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we're trying to pay that forward too. So we have different networking opportunities. We have a women in water group that we pre-COVID would meet for happy hours and things like that. And mm-hmm. now we meet for things like wellness panels virtually and mm-hmm. just trying to really grow that that women in water group to make as much impact as we can and to bring up girls in, in STEM and be excited about the water industry. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Again, everything you say I like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kristen, this is fantastic. And I, um, I like, I, I just really think this is innovative and exciting. And I, I just see the ways that this could be applied. It's just a cool formula for addressing issues and you could kind of build it to address different issues. So I, I just love it. I think it's really, really cool. Is there anything that, you know, you, you, we didn't get a chance to talk about or that you would like kind of like our listeners to know that, you know, hasn't come up in the conversation yet? Sure. If you'll let me do a, a shameless pitch for how to get involved. No, that you can do be. all the pitching. Make it as shameless as okay. you want. This is exactly for that. <laughs> okay, great. So, so we have a few different ways to get involved in the ecosystem of innovation, as we like to call it. There's a way that you can have a physical presence on campus with us. 
if you're interested in expanding to the Atlanta area, if you're looking for workspace, even if it's co-working space, we have monthly memberships for co-working opportunities. Also going to have a lot of different networking events, workshops, conferences, so keep an eye out for that. We also have an innovation partnership program if you're interested in partnering with us. Um, we have a wide range of options available, whether it's partnering on a research project effort or a technology effort or uh, different classes. If you'd like to train up your staff on our campus, we have opportunities for all of those. Uh, we're on social media at BH2O Tower. So we're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those great, great things. And we have a great social media intern who helps us out with that. Um, we're yeah. also looking for feedback on the Lake Lanier Watershed five-year research plan that we talked about and just general feedback as well. We also have a quarterly newsletter. If you're interested in getting updates, you can sign oh, up on our website. Put me on that. Will you put me on that? <laughs> I will put you on that. Fantastic. Great. No, no, I'm, trust me. I, now that I know that this is here, I'm definitely going to call you again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right, Kristen. Well, this is lovely. And I am sincerely, honestly, like, uh, I think in March, 2023, which will be another lifetime away, I think we should check in because I would love to see kind of where this is at and kind of like how things are going um, and, and just kind of hear what you're learning. That sounds great. And we'll open our doors in January, 2022. So if anyone wants to come visit us, look us up, we're in Beaufort. <laughs> you're great. <laughs> Nothing said in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. This podcast was produced by Mackenzie Nichols. Find Ripple Effect on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.